So Trump's making E now. Oh really? Is he good? Um, I mean, I'm not gonna take it, but you know, apparently some guy out in Luton in the UK decided why the hell not, and was arrested with you know a tr- fuck ton of Trump shaped. <laughs> They were warning about how high potency it was, apparently. Um, Bad trip. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, that can mean I, I, anything I, from it actually works all the way up to this is beyond the LGBT and it will just strike you dead. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah. I mean, ju- I mean, just full stop. It's like a Trump-shaped E. That's off the charts. This is kind of, you know, what part of this sounds like a good idea? None of it does, but that's 2020 for you. <sighs> Bad ideas taken seriously. <laughs> Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. <laughs> we read this shit so you don't have to. Ah, uh, bye everyone. <sighs> <laughs> Seriously though, um, I'm Miss Silver. Um, with me is the Doc. Um, we've got we got a lot to talk about. Um. Because, you know, the death cult doesn't rest, so we can't either. Yeah. Even though, you know, I'm... Oh, in... God, we want to. Believe we have... me. <laughs> When's the last time we had to make a sand check? <laughs> yeah. It's just... Lovecraftian tomes have got nothing on bank ledgers. Uh-huh. Just saying. So, um, you want to start us off with the white horse? <sighs> sure. Um, marking time. So, so, as, you know, anyone who, like, had more than three brain cells and a like iota of concern for other human beings could tell you the reopenings are going horribly just terribly um in schools whether you're talking in the united states or in the united kingdom where boris johnson has just decided to get in on the fun but he's not alone, is he? Nope. So, this is like, you know, we throw a lot of jabs at, like, the centrists. And this is why. Is this shit coming from Mr. Moderate, centrist, reasonable, leader of the Labour Party, Keir Starmer, whose entire approach to responding to the Tories' 
shamelessly kill the poor COVID policy has been to critique it on not being sufficiently efficient in keeping the middle class comfortable while the poorest die in the street. And like, and the school openings one is especially bad because he has recently said we had a moral duty to get kids back to school. Over the objections of the teachers' unions, by the way. The unions who are supposed to be critical stakeholders in the Labour Party. I mean, but this is new Labour. Labour isn't actually necessary, is it? Because, <laughs> yeah, this is... You know, nowhere is there has there been any attempt by Starmer to make a substantive or sweeping critique of what the Tories are doing. And you don't have to be some kind of like, you don't even have to be like a socialist to stand up and go, the Tories are trying to get us all fucking killed to make the stock market happy. Like, good God. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's... That's self-explanatory. <laughs> like, it is it is self-explanatory. It is, like, unquestionably true because they're the fucking Tories. So, of course, they're going to, like, put the pores in the meat grinder of society. And it's basically... Yeah, he has this, like, idea that you know, the government differing around and doing nothing on the school reopening plan is like some great failing. I mean, it's like how, how the fuck are you going to open the schools when you're like this? Where you're well, this deep in the shit. Especially when I mean, people talk a lot about anti-mask shenanigans in the United States. Mm -hmm. Justifiably so. But it's worth pointing out that consistently in opinion polls um, in the U.S., somewhere around like 65% of the population like firmly supports wearing a mask out in public um, so that you don't get other people sick or you don't get sick and die. Um, the numbers for the U.K. are more around like 25%. Jesus! Yeah, like, the government has been very inconsistent on whether or not mask wearing is necessary. They've actually kind of, like, they've managed to get away with what Trump tried to do in the U.S. with masks. Oh, So, yeah, like, it, it needs to be said, like, fundamentally... The entire handling of this by the Tory party has been consistently, like, kill the poor, kill the pensioners. Yeah. 
fuck them all, let's get Brexit and turn into a giant Singapore. So, you know, the, it has been calculatedly evil in a way that the Republicans are mostly just kind of stupidly evil. I mean, yeah, it's just... It's so fucked. Um, but speaking, you know, speaking of that 65%, you know, it could be higher, and... Part of it is there are people who feel so strongly about this shit that they're like they're punching workers over this stuff. Like, just wear the fucking mask. But it was wasn't one like literally a place called Sesame Place, like a Sesame Street themed like yes kids attraction or something. Yes. And I realized that that sort of pales in comparison to being shot over it. But that's kind of where we are. Um, The point fodder is pleased. But we at the desk are not. (laughs) It's just I don't know, there's just something that feels, like, a little unholy about punching out someone at a place that is explicitly themed based on Sesame Street. Like, just something about that feels like, I mean, It, like that's like it, this feels like it's in the spectrum of almost like grave robbing or something. I don't know. There's just <sighs> is nothing sacred. Uh, nothing is sacred in this land. You of all people should know that. Not for lack of trying, though. <laughs> uh, there is a little good news. The house is coming back from their little recess. Um. I, yeah, I'll, I'll give them, like, minimal you spelled your name right on the SAT points for this one. And so what's it about, what it's about is the Postal Service. The GOP has kind of stepped up their war on Postal Service. The neo-libs in the Democratic Party have lately realized that, oh, wait, we kind of need this thing. Um, we kind of need this so that we can assure the victory of, you know, our guy. Yeah. Suddenly a public service directly intersected with their immediate political priorities. Yes. Shocker. Yes. And, you know, this is coming in the wake of Trump being like, well, we're just going to disappear millions of ballots. Um. <laughs> oh, quite blatantly at that. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like he all but come out and said it. So, I mean, all you simps who were so proud of him for being able to read off the teleprompter in 2017. Um, yeah, we should. Yeah, I mean, this is 
this is so in the midst of this open fascism like i said i do have to give points to the house for stopping house leadership for stopping and being like oh wait maybe going off for recess for like a month in the middle of a national crisis even though the senate are being a bunch of shitheads maybe a really bad look and there is shit we actually can do independent of the senate um the power that you've been advocating for in our um in our discord was i believe using the inherent contempt powers of of the house to oh those are fun <laughs> to basically take the postmaster general and lock him in jail um you know the last time the house used this was in the 1930s so you know, this would be a bingo card moment if the house actually, like, used inherent contempt. Yes. And it's like, it is worth noting these... <sighs> this is why people don't like the Democrats. Um, like, some of them are scared of, oh, they're gonna bring leftism, they're gonna bring leftism. Uh, we're going to turn into communist Russia, <laughs> um, and you know all that nonsense. And then there are those who are just you know they're pissed at the Democratic Party because they're a bunch of useless families. Like they won't even try to implement their stuff. They'll just sit around congratulating each other for blocking, um, you know, the incumbent party. Oh, like, they feel like it's to, like, riff on the old, like, you know, Charles Atlas, like, corny ads for, like, bodybuilding uh-huh. shit. They're kind of like if, like, the beach nerd who's getting, like, the sand kicked in his face, um, instead of going on the Charles Atlas program and fighting back, decides that the best course of action is to binge West Wing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Your election representatives, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus fuck. But hey, they tried. Because they yeah. tried. I mean, they're actually they they're actually doing a thing, and they're calling hearings and stuff, and they can actually like compel Trump's officials to testify and stuff. And but I mean, yeah. Where the fuck was this when Mitch McConnell was asking for DHS money? Mm-hmm. A week after the Snatchers were running amok in Portland. I mean, hell, there were people calling for it during, you know, that wet fart of a of an impeachment process. You know, just get the Trump officials into the room and tighten the bolts on them until they talk. Or even, you know, make a broader case regarding Trump's flagrant corruption and make a case that people are going to give a shit about. (laughs) No one, like, five people outside of D.C. give a shit about, like, the Donbass right now. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. From a political standpoint. Like, it is not a significant, like, thing on people's horizons. 
who gives a fuck? Like, most people probably didn't know Ukraine was a country before that came up. Like, real talk. This is the United States. I mean, let's be yeah. real. Um, like Mark Twain said, God created war so Americans could learn geography. Um, uh, and speaking of war, the Red Horse. Which actually kind of gets us to the other side of what's going down with the post office. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So, like, this isn't... it. Like, so you're all probably been seeing pictures of things like literal truckfuls of post boxes being scooped up off the street in Portland and Eugene and other predominantly Democratic voting cities. And, like, you know... Totally broad daylight. No fucks given. Yeah. Um, and, like, I should point out that, like, that's not even... Well, that's not even going to be that effective, because, like, half the time, you bring, uh, if you're going to, you know, oh, not stick it into your mailbox, uh, stick your ballot into the mailbox, you're going to just go to, like, you know, somewhere that has a um, designated drop box. And just drop it there. So, and that's run by the state. Like, you know, the the talking heads in DC can say what they want. Uh, they can't stop Morgan from doing that. Um, but, but, the thing that, <laughs> but it's a it, This isn't just about yeah, elections. This is, yeah, and this isn't just about elections, by the way. Like, this is important to emphasize before we get into just the fuckery that's been going on with the post office for actually quite a while now is this is a really like a good way to understand this is like we've maintained for a while now on this show uh it's all graft Mm -hmm. like just you know graft stacked on top of graft so as much as as it is, like, you know, kind of, oh shit, we have a president who is openly talking about throwing out millions of ballots through the use of a federal agency to fuck with an election. On the other side of it, it's a little less fascism and a lot more just straight up graft. Yeah. Um, among the players is a name that most of the real heads will recognize. Buttigieg and his McKinsey consultant friends. He was pushing for this back in uh, back during the Obama administration. And and it has to be said mm-hmm. that this push to privatize the post office has been going on for like way longer than that. Oh yeah, he was just the yeah, latest. Like for our purpose. Yeah, he was like one of the best. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I mean, for our purposes, like you know, the most recent ones are people like you know Mayo Pete, um, and a bunch of other like similar like lobbyist shitheads. Like Bernie Sanders, like stopped the nomination of five of them to the board of governors for the postal service because they all wanted to chop it up and sell it to the highest bidder. Uh, and 
Trump was like, well, we want to do it on our terms. Um, so he did eventually ram through um, the board of governors that he wants. Um, how well that'll work is an exercise for the reader. Um, but this has been a long time in coming. The biggest shot across the bow was kind of um, the Bush 2 era rule that basically um, forced them to prepay all of their um, pension obligations, which no one else with a pension has to do, by the way, anywhere on the planet. Not in the private sector, certainly not in the public sector. Like, that's completely unheard of. So, you know, on paper it means the Postal Service is a giant fucking boondoggle and a waste Uh of money. But, you know, it doesn't matter if you have the money that you need to cover the pension in the future as long as you have the money to cover it now. Um, To me, you know, current retirees plus projected out like five years. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, obviously keep it keeps some fun soft away for a rainy day, but you don't have to literally prepay the entire fucking thing um, for each and every worker. Like no, no company could actually afford that. If you if you did that to UPS or FedEx or uh, privatized Royal Mail, um, they would just straight up die. Oh yeah. So what this is is. It's a thing that's put been used to put the screws to the post office for, like, since Bush, throughout Obama, and up into Trump. And, like, you could kind of say that, like, up until Trump, it was sort of an equal opportunity, like, source of graft and privatization. Yeah. Like, it's kind of how, like, things, like, when they sold off post offices, which, by the way, in a lot of cases are really valuable real estate because of their location. Um... Um, in the small towns I lived in, like, they were practically in the center of town. Um, and they had enough, you know, real estate around that you could set up a minor logistics hub if you needed to. Um, yeah. So from a graph standpoint, this shit's juicy. Mm-hmm. It's, if you're a logistics company, it's competition. But... This is where, like, the graft just becomes really fucking stupid. Um, is under normal circumstances, and this is why under Bush and Obama, the privatization shit with the post office was kind of like at a slow clip and a sort of a slow drip sort of thing. Um, was because the post office is really essential for, you know, making the United States function. Yes. Period. Um... In fact, um, for the, you know, Constitution humpers out there, y'all know who you are, um, having a public postal service is mandated, like, is pretty clear on the subject. Um, this is literally unconstitutional. Yes. Um, but, you know, Trump has already decided that. Many other parts of the Constitution he doesn't like are 
also a dead letter, and it suits his purposes. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, it, it's worth mentioning, and, you know, that from an economic standpoint, um, yeah. we gotta remember that... I it was wonder if you could ideas to put that right in there. Oh, yeah, it is. Like, this is one of those few things that's like, yeah, this is sort of necessary for society to function, is to have a secure, sustainable chain of communication yes. and moving yes. goods. Like, this is kind of important. Um, so this is like, and this is still true today, is that a lot of smaller businesses and a lot of actually day-to-day shit, too, by large-scale companies goes through the post office. Yeah. And... I mean, like, if you need that, like, overnight package, then, yeah, you go to UPS or you go to FedEx or whatever. Um, But, like, you can go through, like, reams and reams and reams of interviews with, like, CEOs of FedEx and UPS and stuff. And whenever they get asked, do you think you could do the post office's job? They flat out say, absolutely not. There is no way that we could deliver the post office's comprehensive level of service at a cost that is affordable and reasonable for all Americans. Like, the post office is how, like, your, like, most senior citizens these days are getting their medications. Um, This is how, and a lot of people in need of regular medication, period. This is how, like, a lot of businesses just keep shit moving because, you know, you don't need UPS to do a bulk order that needs to show up in a week. Like Amazon basically built their empire by piggybacking off of the post office. Like, (laughs) yeah. And if anything, um, as St. Helen has discussed before, they've, uh, they had actually considered just dropping their entire, uh, Amazon logistics system. Uh, for regular deliveries because they can't really compete with UPS or FedEx or especially post offices level of service. Like, this is a genuinely hard problem. Um, and... Because <laughs> guess what? Public enterprises can and do outperform private ones in specific ways that tend to revolve around, you know, is actually good for most people. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, that's just, like, this isn't just about the electoral sports action. This is just the... This would be the dumbest privatization yes. ever. Yes, and full stop. And the British have lived through both <laughs> uh, Brit Rail and the Royal Mail being privatized. Hell, they've lived through water being privatized in large chunks of the country. How well does that work again? Well, you know, there was a reason it was one of the most popular elements of Corbyn's platform. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. You know, <laughs> as you do, this thing called the thing that's essential for life being freely available is nice. But yeah, this would, yeah, let's just, so what the, like, when we look at it from the sports ball perspective, then 
what they're doing is dangerous for democracy. When we look at it from an economic perspective, what they're doing is dumping a box of wrenches into the economy right when the engine is already like throwing sparks and smoke and making these sort of menacing booming sounds um yeah you know yeah. <sighs> in in darker news um oh god this is this is fucked so Israel is back to bombing Palestine again, specifically the Gaza Strip, over quote-unquote arsons. Um, yeah. yeah. But that, that's the headline in the Times of Israel. Yes. They are... <sighs> They're very mad that, you know, the Gaza Strip didn't just curl up and die, basically. And I wish them the best. That's all I can know. These are some pretty evil people we're talking about here. They just they just straight up do not care. Well like the the annexation was passed by the Likud Blue and White Coalition. Remember Blue and White, the guys who were supposed to be the Biden of Israel, you could say? <laughs> the safe, centrist general who would rein in that foul and corrupt Netanyahu. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally no deja vu here. Um, so yeah, the moment they went on board with the coalition, they said, yeah, we're signing off on the Likud parties." Palestine policy, such as it is. Um, and when they formalized annexation at that point, it was basically clear that they were like, yeah, we're just going to go for formal apartheid. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Stop us. Yeah. And finally, um... I mean, like, it's worth mentioning that there have been growing protests against Netanyahu throughout Israel. Um, largely because and the coalition government largely because of things like their handling of covid and the fact that the economy is completely in the shitter but i'm not sure there's enough umph there i hope there is but at least enough to stop this one yeah, unfortunately, it's it's a huge fucking mess, and yeah, I don't really know what to say about it because it's like this just keeps fucking happening. Also, that you know, a bunch of shit lives in Israel, um, and you know, keep on with. Yeah, you know, whatever schemes they got going. And, you know, keep being racist against the non-Ashkenazi Jewish groups. Mm-hmm. Like, they just... I mean, it's like... Yeah. There's, there's a reason. Um, 
topic is super contentious, but it's like at the same time, like this is this is inexcusable. Um, this is artillery and warplanes bombing a city that the UN said five years ago was on the edge of an infrastructure crisis um, over arson balloons. Yes. Like, go ahead and justify that. Go ahead. <laughs> like, I'd love to hear it. Really. Cowboys are at it again, and this time they used light ammunition. Um, didn't hit anyone, thankfully. Um, yeah. God, I'm just, I'm just so exhausted with all this. Yeah, you know, it takes to deal with enough fucking. Oh, boy, shits. Yeah. This shit is just... I mean, maybe enough of the shitlobs are starting to internalize their Trump is a fascist propaganda and are starting to go like, oh, wait, these guys are actually fascists. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe that's starting to happen. I really hope there's an appreciation of that because, you know... Y'all told us to sit down and shut the fuck up when we brought this up four years ago. Mm -hmm. And let's remember Nancy Pelosi was talking about investigating Antifa in 2017. Yeah. You know. Before Charlottesville. Just normal country things. Uh, on the horizon, as if summoned by our totally normal country, the Black Horse. So this one is one that we've been following for a while. Um, and it's all of what's happening with supply chains. Like, the, and this has been like, I mean, we, we probably should do like, you know, a patron special or something on just this at some point. But, um, yeah, just discussing, like, why is this supply chain shit so important? Yeah. But, you know, for those who have been following us, here's sort of the latest bulletins there. Um, is we've now, because we've been talking about, you know, this whole onshoring thing, pointing out that onshoring doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come all the way back to, like, you know, Youngstown, Ohio, and bring good union jobs or anything. Um, but there's a lot that's showing that even though, you know, corporate America is still going to be fucking shitty about this, that most of corporate America is starting to, sh not just corporate America, but the global, you know, private sector is moving away from globalized supply chains. Like that entire Amazon just in time world is decisively gone. Yeah. 
and anyone who has recommended any kind of solutions that are based on the assumptions that that exists are, you know, they need to, like, shut up and go away. And it's, like, it's worth noting that a lot of these efforts are actually centralized, uh, are actually kind of situated around um, expanding, like, Okay, so a lot of industries in China are were known as vertically integrated. Like Foxconn's big play in China is that um, you know they've got those massive factories. Uh, you might have heard of them, um, and they are completely vertically integrated. They input raw materials. And outcomes an iPhone after passing through several dozen factories and refineries and such. Ford Motor Company actually started like that when it was first founded in the early 1900s. Yes. Um, it was basically they couldn't get a reliable supply of like, tires and um, rubber seals, so they. How they had their own rubber plantations, simply so that they could supply their own rubber needs. Um, yeah, like this this whole vertical integration model is not yes. new, but it is really important. Yeah, and the problem with vertical integration is that you can't really move it. Um, if China, for whatever reason, becomes untenable, or even if, like, say, the ports close for a moment, um, and, you know, there's a number of reasons why that can happen. Railway accidents, um, a Panamax, um, you know, parks itself on half the docks, um, you know, shit like that. Then China has a problem. <laughs> and when they have a problem, that means you, as in the company that has contracted their production to uh, Boxcon has a problem. So, the way around this is not to decentralize the production chain, um, you know, disperse all of the supply chain across, you know, redundant areas, um, but to build entirely new verticals um, um, that was Foxconn's big play recently is they've been talking about how they, they're um, you know, expanding their Taiwanese production their plants in India um, things like that yeah. um, and many of so that, go on sorry go um, and so because of that um, it's like that doesn't mean that there's someone going to build a vertical here. Though they could. And I suspect that Trump will eventually get it in his head that he really wants a Foxconn vertical to finally happen here. It's just there hasn't been anything decent to do it because it doesn't make sense in the whole, you know, just in time, you know, frictionless uh, logistics and shipping that we've had, you know, up until March. 
Yeah. And this is, like, even so, like, even though Foxconn isn't necessarily looking to set up a new vertical, we are starting to see things, like, in automotive news, there's now discussion among basically all the big automakers about relocating their parts and tool production to somewhere that's, like, a lot closer to their core assembly areas, and basically, like, shortening that logistical tether and making it more secure. Um, You've got, like, pharmaceutical companies since COVID started, and medical supply companies have been doing that since COVID started. So you're already seeing in that industry a significant shift in production capacity that's happened and happening. Um, And even, like, the Department of Defense has like done an audit of their supply chains and had a little bit of a freak out when they realized something like half of their critical materials and parts were all dependent on Chinese production. Yeah. Um, like including their IT. <laughs> yeah. Like including some of their IT services. It's re- it was really yeah, this is neoliberalism in your military people. Um not even once. Yes. Um, I mean, if you wonder why Nakamura was so fucking hated back in the day, yeah, this is part why. This is part why. Like I said, uh, like the doc said, neoliberalism, not even once. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. This is. <laughs> I mean, this, all of this, when you add it up with the stuff we've already seen that's being discussed and is out there in the business press and being reported, is this basically means your old neoliberal supply chains are going to be gone. Like, you may have some instances where you're see- still seeing, like, import and export in a neoliberal model for some very specific things with and goods within, like, you know, five years, but, you know... I'd say, like, probably within a five to ten year time span, you're not going to see this kind of frictionless production system anymore. Like, it just will not exist, because business is decisively moving away from it. The military is, like, starting to think about moving away from it, and they have a fuck ton of money to play with. Um, Part of the problem that they're running into is... We have the major problem that we can't scale up mass, produ- uh, mass production because much of that capacity was, you know, oriented for export, um, and much of our domestic needs were met by imports, um, which is, you know, a total misalignment of the incentives as, like, you know, the, the orthodoxy. If you explained that kind of supply chain to any classical economist all the way up to John Maynard Keynes, they'd be like, I'm, what are you talking about? That's fucking dumb. Yes. (laughs) Walk away from that crack. That is fucking dumb. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's like this. Adam Smith talked to, when when Adam Smith was talking about comparative advantage, this was not what he had in mind. Yeah, shipping your fish from England to China to get it processed, then shipping it back, 
that is not what they had in mind. That's only possible because of, like, you know, cheap fossil fuels. Like, even if, you know, we were all running, like, nuclear Panamaxes and such, we wouldn't waste them on this kind of shit. Like, yeah. if you really... No, wait, the cheap fossil fuels are dying. <laughs> <laughs> By the yes. way. But that, that should definitely be pointed out. Like, this, because of the permanent capacity reduction in fossil fuels, it's like, there, there's much less appetite for um, these sorts of, you know, highly shipping intensive models. Um, yeah. Like, this is a cost to be avoided. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, this is why Foxconn is making the place that they are in India and elsewhere. Um, they need to build verticals um, elsewhere on the continent so that they can assure their customers that, yeah, we can produce what you need produced. Because, um, like, you know, Apple, So, yeah, this is, this doesn't necessarily mean that suddenly lots of good manufacturing jobs are coming back to the rest of Oh, yes. This absolutely does not mean that at all. In fact, it probably means whatever production is brought back to the United States will be heavily automated, will probably employ a small number of specialists whose job is to oversee the robots and some additional maintenance people and, like people with, like, walkie-talkies and mag lights. Yeah. And, I mean, even in the places where, you know, they do use labor-intensive production, I would not expect them to pay you, like, union wages. Like, let's, let's be honest here. You're gonna have to fight. <laughs> You're gonna have to fight for this shit. And there's a reason that you haven't even considered this until now. There's a reason that Toyota built their new plant in Tennessee, people. And it wasn't because they like bluegrass. Yes. Yes. They loved Tennessee. Because Tennessee does not have a very strong union. And they they fought a union drive, like, tooth and nail at that. Oh, yeah. Like, they... They freaked out because um, basically the VW plant wanted a works council um, like um, the ones they had in Germany because they were used to having that as part of their standard corporate structure. And so they called the UAW in, but you know, the, the cultists got hold of it and basically um, failed out the union vote. And so they did. Ah, they didn't get recognition. Uh, it was yeah. so fucked. 
But yeah, that's like, this shit is just because globalization is reversing, or rather, it's not reversing, it's unraveling. That do, like, it's not, like, onshoring doesn't necessarily mean the jobs are coming back. They certainly won't be coming back in the same way they left. Um, so, you know. Yeah. We, this is, like, just another thing that's going to be fundamentally different about this economy. And any attempts by anyone, I don't give a shit who you are, coming into power in November to reverse this are going to fail spectacularly. Absolutely. So, uh, let's see here. Um, Meanwhile, over here, the Dread Show. Yes. Let's get into it. The Pale Horse is coming. So, yeah. We, We literally have the first recorded instance of... Of Twitter serving as a medium for communing with the departed. Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, Herman Chain is dead, so far as we know. But quite dead. COVID yeah. got him. Yeah. And we all had our crowd dances on. You know, um, on Twitch and all that fun stuff. And then we found out that he's not dead. He is, in fact, tweeting again. Which is. Either that or his dedication to conservatism, like, transcends the bonds of mortality. Oh, yes. <laughs> They, like, got Nancy Reagan's medium on the phone. And they're like, okay, Herman, what are you going to say about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? Yeah, 280, go. <laughs> it just said this huge-ass Ouija board with, um, like, all the Unicode symbols and all of the emoji. <laughs> um, and then, you know, it, uh, Nancy Reagan's uh, medium, she sits there and, uh, you know, uses it. And uh, <laughs> through advanced optical scanning technologies, we have figured out an input method for Herman Cain to speak to us from the young. Isn't it wonderful? Through Twitter. On Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> Put that down. 2020 Twitter is officially the channel for the afterlife. <laughs> yeah. We've all known the place is kind of cursed, but we didn't really know why. Um, I guess we were sensing something I mean, impossible. And now it is here. And it is horrible. I mean... You know, it, it would totally be within the realm of possibility that Twitter was, like, you know, built on an Indian burial ground or something. Because this is San Francisco. Oh, yeah. 
That's like about half the city. Um. Oh, indeed. So, um, basically, uh, how to put this? There is something we've been kind of, uh, you know, carefully not talking about. Uh, Iowa. Yeah, so you're probably going to be hearing this term a lot more often, and we want to like get this out there right now, because this is some more of this you know bloodless bullshit that you've come to expect us to mock on this show mercilessly. Yeah. Is this term extreme weather event, yeah. or? intense weather event or severe weather event like those are the ones sort of like bouncing around about everything that's happened weather wise in the past week and it shows up in the literature around the climate crisis and you know just to demystify what this means what they're talking about is thunderstorms the size of half of california or storms, or like massive wind and rainstorms to flatten large chunks of the Midwest. Or, you know, like hurricanes that like casually look at Katrina and go, that's a nice start. Mm-hmm. And so what happened to Iowa? Um, we've already seen pictures of it, of those flying grain silos. Um, but it's a little more substantial pretty much like not the entire entire state beach shit but to some extent or another about half of it yes yes um like in terms of you know extreme weather events they are prepared for some but I'm sorry Nobody prepares for a hurricane in Iowa, except that's kind of what you would have had to do. Um, Essentially, like, this is why things like Superstorm Sandy, which was basically a low-cat hurricane that most of the Gulf Coast and the Caribbean probably would have been able to cope with all right, um, slammed into t- New York, which is absolutely not prepared or built for that. Yeah, I mean, the most they're used to handling is like a tropical storm that's uh, skipped off the Outer Banks. Um, I mean, how they're not used to like a cat yeah, two yeah. or something. They're not used to actual categories there. Um, Indeed, and so it's very much. And frankly, there is not a lot you can do to prepare for these kinds of things. Um, like, a lot of this stuff is designed the way it is because it's the most efficient way to do things. You ha- kind of have to have, like, these tall silos. Um, that aren't necessarily built to handle high wind loads because yeah, and it's like you know if a tornado passes over it, then you're fucked anyway. Like you know, there's just there's nothing you can do with a tornado. So you know you 
you armor it up as best you can, but you're, you just accept that well, if the tornado hits it directly, it's a loss. Exactly. But it's, but that's, you know, one. That's not like, you know, an es- the estimated like 10 million tons of produce that were wiped out in this storm. Um, yes. Like, this was a significant and massive, like, in, in terms of, like, just, you know, shit like this is normally a once-in-a-century event. Like, that's all there, that's the only way to put it. This is supposed to be an extraordinary and unusual situation. Yeah, it's much like the, um, proposed, um, arc storms, which are, like, you know, every couple hundred year events that basically only the natives knew, hey, we should fuck off, it's, we're about to, um, bye y'all. Um, and, you know, they got owned in, like, you know, the 1860s. Yeah. And we're getting shit like, um, well, and like there's wildfires now across the American mm-hmm. West, as to be expected, but they're looking, you know, especially severe because you're having things like a record setting heat wave in California. Um, there's massive wildfires, like not massive, but something like 100,000 acres collectively so far have been burned in California, Oregon, and Colorado. Yeah, we're under, we're under a fire watch right as a time of recording. And we're relatively far away from the stuff that really burns. Um, it's bad. <laughs> it's fucking bad. And it is so fucking yeah. hot out here. Um, it, it is like, like, it's so hot in, particularly in San Francisco, that we had literally, like, sheets of lightning across, you know, a swath of the coast going from, like, Sonoma down to around Santa Barbara. Yeah, dry lightning of that. Yeah, so there's been lots of new wildfires reported in the wake of that. I mean, it was really fucking cool to watch, but then... Yeah, Yeah, it's like, it's the last thing y'all need. It's the last thing we need. Yeah, like, normally, like, thunderstorms in anywhere in California are like, I heard a rumble, maybe there was a bolt of lightning somewhere Mm -hmm. for about half a second. They're not like, oh, holy shit, like, Thor's having a real one today. Oh, yeah. And so it's basically, it was an absolutely brutal fucking storm. It wasn't just Iowa. Iowa was just one of the ones that got hit the hardest. Um, we'll link some articles about it. Um, but it was basically really bad, and not a lot of people are paying attention to this shit, because um, how to put this, they don't care. Guess what, guys? Fox News thinks you're flyover country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does um, 
What's that new um, Trump station? Uh, One American mm-hmm. News. They probably think so too. So uh, they they want your yeah. vote. They they absolutely want your vote. But as far as doing anything for you, no. Why would you expect that? Yeah. They just want your vote. Why would you expect that? You are disposable. Yeah. Exactly. So you know, remember that, and remember, and also remember that, like, this shit is just going to get worse and more frequent, and like we're gonna be getting like you know, fucking like fantasy series weather for a while here, um, with all that implies of things like floods and droughts and devastating storms yes and more wildfires and that means any you know all the things are going to be facing disruption at you know whenever nature fucking feels like it really oh yes and nature's oh yeah i mean how the fuck do you get a fire nato so that one is just I yeah. If this is on your bingo card, Fire NATO. Yeah. Is a thing now. Um the so a Fire NATO apparently is where you have a wildfire that is sufficiently hot that it creates its own wind. And this is a thing that's been observed a lot, but this is where it creates a strong enough wind that it makes a fucking tornado out of fire. Yes. Like, normally, a lot of these effects are only really seen in combined spaces, like certain disasters in the London Underground. Um, but... Or, like, you know, burning the oil fields of Kuwait. Yes, like yes. Um, this is... This is a, a one coming out of entirely normal causes. Natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without the benefit of highly explosive American munitions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yep. Fire NATO. Oh. Tick it off your box. <laughs> <laughs> and on the heels of that, capitalist hell follows. Channel strikes been bad trending on Twitter for the past few days. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if this will actually lead anywhere, but you know, at this point, we don't have a lot of options. We kind of need a strike. We need a general strike. Like, I would like to point out that two days of general strike twen- trending on Twitter was coincided with the House Democratic leadership going, maybe we shouldn't go on vacation. Uh-huh. I would like to point this out. Um. I am not claiming that one caused the other, but I just would like to point out that, you know, <laughs> these are things that happened. Yes. Um, 
in no particular order. Um, let's see here. Uh, teachers are calling for nationwide sick outs. Um, care to go into that, Doc? Yeah, so as we covered in the um, teacher in the school reopening special, the shit that basically teachers are being told where they are um, reopening schools to walk into what is effectively a plague pit and be prepared to die for the school. Uh-huh. Um, and potentially create a massive super spreader yeah. situation. Um, like, literally in Utah, there's been things like death lotteries where they have a lottery of the most vulnerable teachers to see who gets to teach remotely. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and that whole fiasco we covered last week in Georgia. Um, so yeah, in Arizona, there was a school district where staff and faculty all called out sick and it has prevented the planned reopening of the district on august 17th like they forced them to delay for a week because quarantine regulations say these people were exposed to other people we need to quarantine anyone these 100 staff were potentially exposed to and there was a particularly charming comment of one school board member in like Cabasso. um it was like, at some point, we are going to have to come up with an acceptable casualty rate, and nobody wants to have that conversation. You know what? I am willing to have that conversation when school boards are willing to have in-person meetings with public comment. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, okay. Cool. We can have that conversation when you are willing to risk exposure. Yeah. Do you think it's acceptable for students and teachers to be forced into the plague pit? Then surely you're fine with being in the plague pit too. Yeah, it's only fair. So you know, and take note that anyone you're in contact with, if you call out sick with something that looks like COVID symptoms, would need to go into quarantine. So you know. We are not endorsing or condemning the totally cool direct action tactic of getting you and your friends at whatever dangerous workplace you're at to all call in sick with cough and a fever. Yeah. We're totally <laughs> <that same. sighs> Um, and meanwhile in Belarus, um, March for Freedom is growing. And, like, we covered this a little bit Uh last week, and we weren't quite sure what was going to happen with it, but now this is just, like, this shit's going off the rails. It's beautiful. (laughs) I mean, hopefully it won't end in the same sort of clusterfuck as Ukraine did. Some of the factors for that aren't really there, and it's like, I, I suspect that if the opposition somehow prevailed, that they wouldn't know what to do anymore than Lukashenko would, 
but also Shechem is a fucking bastard. Um, I mean, this is a guy whose COVID policy was drink vodka, it cures what ails mm-hmm. you. Yeah, clearly a guy we should be listening to on any matter of importance. So, yeah, and there's, you know, also obvious fraud in recent elections, because it's Belarus. Uh-huh. I mean... <laughs> you know. <laughs> Unofficial province of Russia and all that. Yeah, and it's like, for once, Russia is staying out of this. Um which is really nice to see, and frankly, the Americans also largely, largely seem to be staying on this one, too. Um, because it's like, you know, there's, what would you even do? Um, like, as, as an alternative. Um, yeah, I mean, especially since, you know, the EU is busy, the United States is tripping over its own dick, and Russia seems to be not much better. Although actually maybe worse, because Putin did announce that vaccine mm-hmm. that he's only letting Saudi experts verify. Yes. Um, the true abilities called it the devil's milkshake by proxy, and I have to agree with them. That's, that's some pretty fucked up shit. Um, to do just for a political point. <laughs> I'd give 50-50 that it's just watered-down crocodile. Mm. Crocodile cures what ails ya. Because you're dead. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so we're now at the point that the demonstrations in Belarus are literally the largest that have ever happened in... In that country. That republic's yeah. history, ever. This is including, like, you know, under the Soviet Union. Oh, yeah. And it's like, we really do wish them the best. Um, I don't, I don't know what would solve their problems, but I do know that Lukashenko isn't going to do that. <laughs> I mean, he's running the same kind of graft pyramid as the United States. Oh, yeah. So, on top of being even more hilariously, horribly incompetent and corrupt, like... I mean, I'm just going to, like, put this out there. Because, you know, we've made, like, you know, predictions and jests that have come true that were awful. So I'm just going to say, put it out there that maybe Belarus is going to end up being the Tunisia of 2020. Oh. Just going to put that out there. It goes to Subway and move across the nation. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. That's... <sighs> Let's go, Soviet Union 2. Um, the Russian edition. Yeah. Um, Let's just, you know... So, you know, keep an eye on... like, And they're dealing with a lot of the similar bullshit from their pigs. Oh, yes. As we are. So, you know, keep an eye on that shit. They're doing something right. Um... And finally, um, I don't think we've really done much to push the Patreon in here, but um, 
yeah, um, we have a new episode up. Um, we covered the Netflix Fire documentary and did an entire commentary over it. It was pretty fun. Um, you should have a listen. It's five bucks on Patreon. Yeah. And we're planning on doing a follow-up with the Hulu documentary. We might also like dip our toes into some shit like Kevin Costner or, you know, explain some of these things like why the fuck the oil industry's dead or how just in time logistics mm-hmm. died. One of these days Yeah, it's like every time you said one of these days we should do a show, well, yeah, that's that's what we're hoping to do with the Patreon. Obviously some of these we're gonna unlock, but like this is this is frivolous shit. We we know that. We were just having a lot of fun. Um, it's worth a listen. Um, our equipment budget we thanks you. For context. Um, we are. We we also want to give a shout out to our patrons for helping us cover our absolutely most basic costs and start to accumulate an equipment. Yes. Yes. If nothing else, I need a uh, extension cable for my, um, for my boom mic. That would be very nice to have. Um, Cause God knows I can't pay for it. I'll pay Um, yeah, that whole being a graduate student in my final write-up pays nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Taking a quote-unquote gap year because um, you have to wait for Biden to get around to fixing the education system uh, before you can continue. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fucked. We need your help. Yeah. So yeah, if you want to hear more amazing like business gonzo journalism cuz you know, God's know we need it. Like somebody's got to be out there calling bullshit on rich parties in the Hamptons getting 30 minute covid tests while everybody else needs to wait 1 to 2 weeks, you know. Uh-huh. Someone's got to do this shit. Oh yeah. So um go out to our Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash topshopeconomics. Um, hopefully by the writing of this, we have fixed the RSS feed problem. We're really fucking sorry about that. Um, it was not obvious how you actually do that. Um. <laughs> yeah, we're learning yeah, how we're going. Yeah. But yeah, so from all of us at Chop Shop... Good luck out there. Bye, everyone.